Welcome to the WP Builds Podcast, bringing you the latest news from the WordPress community. Now, welcome your hosts, David Wormsley and Nathan Wrigley. Hello there and welcome to the WP Builds Podcast once again. This is episode number 90, can you believe it, entitled Gutenberg, Let's Have a Block Party with Eric Debelak. It was published on Thursday the 23rd of August 2018. My name's Nathan Wrigley from pictureandword.co.uk, a small web development agency based in the north of England, and I'll be joined a little bit later by David Wormsley from davidwormsley.com so that we can have our top and tail discussion and ending fact. Before the interview with Eric Debelak, we're going to have a discussion which is rather lengthily titled Do we need to project a personal image? Does my WordCamp t-shirt say it all? And right at the very end, just for a couple of moments, we've got an ending fact which is not a fact at all. And it's called Stop Eating My Brains. You can find out about that before the cheesy music rolls on at the very, very end. Just a couple of things to mention. If you go over to wpbuilds.com forward slash deals, you can avail yourself of some plugin discounts. So, for example, 20% off tool set, 25% off main WP, you've got 20% off blog vault, malcare, and so on and so forth. And also, if you go to wpbuilds.com forward slash subscribe you can subscribe to us wherever we are most notably i think the the best place really is subscribing or joining the facebook group we've got over one one thousand three hundred and six members or something as of right now and uh, it's a really thriving community and i if you go to wpbuilds.com forward slash subscribe you can get into that group by clicking the link on the other hand you could subscribe to the newsletter or the messenger um, thing where we just simply update you and so on and so forth. We're not into spam, we just don't do that, so there you go. Um, if you are listening to this on the day that it was released, the 23rd, you might be just in time to get on a webinar with André Gagnon from Project Hoddle. It's going on an hour after this podcast is released. You might have to be quick off the mark, but there you go. Pause this, go and subscribe to that webinar and then come back. You'll find out about Project Hoddle. Okie dokie, and yes, if you can leave us a five-star review on iTunes, that would be most welcome. All right, okay, so just to tell you about Eric Debelak, he's got a, a project called WPBlock.Party. I don't know if it's WPBlock or WPBlockParty or WPBlock.Party. Anyway, that's what it is, and it's a set of blocks for Gutenberg. Loads and loads of blocks, data visualization, accordions, statistics, all of this kind of stuff. You can find out about all of those. I would, however, point out that since we recorded the podcast a month or so ago, they've had a bit of a change of heart. You'll hear in the podcast that he mentions the 12 blocks being all premium. In other words, you had to pay for them all. Well, they've decided only to keep the data visualization ones in the premium off premium offering, and they've um, decided to put everything else in the WP repo for free. So that's really good. But I don't think the repo version is available yet. Depending on when you listen to this, it might be or it might not. 
I would, however, also draw your attention to the fact that if you go to wpbuilds.com forward slash win, you've got a chance of winning one of three of the agency licenses for his product. So wpbuilds.com forward slash win. Go check it out. You might get a chance to win it, which would be great. Share it with your friends and they might win as well. Okay, let's get on with it. Let's go over to the discussion now with David and I. And I would just like to say thank you so much for listening to the podcast once more. And today's discussion, we're calling, do we need to project a personal image? And we've got a subtitle, or does my WordCamp t-shirt say it all? So Nathan and I were discussing this a little bit before, and we went off into all sorts of areas of marketing. So I think we'll probably end up doing a bit of a series. But for this one, we're going to concentrate as best as we can on the way that we look and present ourselves to other people. So a little bit about clothing and maybe attitude. Can I just qualify this before we begin by Mm. saying I am probably right at the end of a spectrum on this topic because (laughs) I have so little regard for the way I look. Actually, that's not entirely, you know, I don't walk around with nothing on or holes in every part of my clothing, but I I just don't really think about this too, too much. So with that caveat... Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? This I got prompted on this one for two reasons. Is one is that I I think I need to do some videos for my own website, which I'm kind of launching. So I want to introduce each product. And I'm thinking, well, what should I wear with this? And actually, you probably said something which I thought was sensible and exactly what I was thinking. Maybe that's why it seemed sensible. But to wear something <laughs> like a simple polo T-shirt, which is what I used to wear, which kind of is a bit smart casual which kind of probably fits me yeah i think if you're going to be putting yourself out there and you want to present an image of kind of quiet confidence but not arrogance i don't really know what that means but yeah i I think the idea of something which is you know it's not a t-shirt or a hawaiian shirt or a t-shirt with like a minecraft logo on it or something more offensive yeah Uh, but then nor is it a shirt and a tie which kind of feels like it's drifting towards uh, white collar businessman or something like that. It, it's it's smart-ish, but it's not yeah. too over the top. That is, of course, uh, depending on the color of the t- of the shirt that you choose, you know, something a bit bland. Whenever yeah. I go to client meetings, I mm. I I kind of made the decision a long time ago, somewhat arrogantly and presumptuously, I think that I was going to go dressed kind of how I am. Um, I don't possess a suit. I've never worn a suit, uh, except for one rare occasion, which I told you about earlier. I wore it for about half an hour. Um, And so I wear a plain T-shirt. And by that, I mean, literally, it's monocolor. You know, it's in a very nice, it's in good condition, but it's one simple color. I wear a pair of newish jeans, you know, so the knees haven't gone through or anything. And I wear a pair of shoes. Um, And I think... That represents what I am and and who I am. And I feel quite comfortable turning up like that. If I was to wear a shirt and a tie, um, I genuinely hate it. I feel Mm -hmm. uncomfortable. I'm going to be fiddling with my neck. I dislike it. I can't see the point personally of wearing this flap of material, which just dangles. I don't even know why people wear them. What is the purpose of a tie? Is it just to disguise the buttons? Is that where it came from? Um, so that's what I do. And I figure, yeah, all right, it's not the, the best image in the world. And probably some people will take a little bit of umbrage to that. 
But I have to say, nobody has ever kicked me out or, or looked me up and down at the door and kind of given me a roll of the eye. So yeah. I, f- I feel okay with that. Have you ever felt out of place at a meeting? Um, mm, possibly, but nothing to do with the way I look, more to do with the content of what they were talking about, uh, where uh. I, I felt like, oh, actually, this is nothing nothing that I understand sometimes. But um I think also I think the the web developer web developer freelancer community does have this sort of uh, feel about it. I think they expect a certain degree of um autonomy and free thought and I think it's quite normal to to wear jeans and t-shirts in our industry. You know, if you look yeah. at um like a Google Google I.O. presentation where the, the senior staff from Google come out, or if you look at an Apple presentation, you know, Steve mm. Jobs in particular, it just jeans and T-shirt, you know, that's 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 the, the mantra. That's the way it is. And, and I think people understand that this is what we do. We're not stuck in an office. We're not obeying the man. And, yeah. and that's fine. Yeah, you know, I saw, I mean, the other thing that prompted me to think about this was somebody, it was in another... Facebook group and it was talking about pricing of projects and somebody said that they were able to boost up or rather win the bid with the highest bid and one it was a passing comment really is that they look the part they said you know they dressed up well they use good paper as well that they use when they're doing their presentation but you know I got the impression that they were kind of suited or at least wearing expensive looking clothes I could have been wrong but it did make me think about this and I I thought, well, you know, maybe we're not all Steve Jobs and um, no, no, we're not. (laughs) And, and, you know, he can kind of get away. It did make me think a little bit whether we need to, depending on who we're dealing with, whether we need to present something that's uh, different to what we usually do. We think we can wear T-shirts. We think our WordCamp T-shirts are pretty cool amongst our, you know, group. But uh, perhaps we need to throw something else in. Yeah, I, I would say that they're not my client, um, and I don't mean that from the point of view of me. Oh no, I'm never going to work for them. I just mean they're not they're not dialing yeah. my telephone number. Yeah, uh, this is people usually who live in my community or live within a short distance, and um, it's not a corporate thing. It's not an entity. Usually, I'm dealing with the person who is directly responsible for the website. And they're probably one person removed from the top of the company, possibly yeah. two. Yeah. Um, so it's not such a big deal. But yeah, I, I'm sure that that comment is absolutely true. Uh, if you were going for a corporate look, mm. which I've never, ever done, um, I don't think I'd be successful at all because I think if I walk through the door, I would present entirely the wrong image. Um, and, you know, I'd be the only person probably the, in the entire building who looked like that. But then I guess, you know, some people are charismatic and they have that certain thing about them. They are raconteurs and they can talk and talk the talk and they can probably overcome these obstacles. But if it's a a 50-50 toss-up between you and the guy with the greasy hair who looks like he was dragged out of bed, maybe maybe the way you dress, the fact that you bothered with the suit and the tie and combed your hair and all of that, maybe that would make the difference. It's just the world I live in that, that makes me say this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, you're not a suit wearer. I mean, I had a moment in my time and I think it was when I was feeling very fit and slim where I liked wearing a suit and I really got into it, you know. But my my job before was really about this all the time. I mean, I managed a group of people who for the government knocked on selected doors and effectively cold called and got people to 
spend an hour with them. And we had two sections. One, for some reason, some people did a particular survey and they all wore suits because managers there believed that was the thing to do when you knocked on people's doors in a professional capacity. And then they had the side that I was on, which did other kind of more generic surveys. And uh, we all, to them, seemed like hippies because we wore whatever we wanted. Right. We believed that was the way to get on with people. And it was really fascinating, particularly when these two groups of people came together because um, some people just lost their suits from leaving the people who were leaving the department, if you like, who said you had to wear a suit. Some of them lost them. And some of the people who in the more sort of slack do what you like things adopted the suit. And it was interesting. I think it came, I think it just came down to people asking themselves again, the question, what do they look like? What do they feel comfortable in? What, what image are they projecting? You know, and I think it made people, reassess what they were doing so i saw some change i think it's really interesting um i think the industry that you're in so for in our case web developers and in in your case whatever it was you were doing at that moment but but also let's say for example you're an estate agent i would fully expect a bank clerk or an estate agent to have a suit and i find that really weird if they didn't I mean, it, to be honest yeah. with you, it wouldn't put me off. I'd just think, oh, that's interesting. There's obviously some sort of policy change there, and they're allowed to do this now. Whereas um, whereas yeah. I really, really do think that it's fine. I wonder if anybody has literally lost a job because of the way they got dressed. It'd be interesting if you could put some comments in the feedback. Or the other way, you know, if you actually believe that the way you dress got you the job. Um, yeah. Or perhaps is it something you would like to address when you enter the the building? You know, um, I hope you don't mind. I've I've come dressed in my sort of casual clothes today because um, because this is what I'm comfortable in. I hope that's all right. I say nothing and hope for the best. But maybe just tackling it head on, if you get that sideways glance, um, would would delay those fears. Yeah, we were talking about uh, Lee Jackson. Um, from the agency Trailblazer podcast, yes. he was la- he was laughing at himself on one of his earlier video promos for what was then Lee Jackson Dev, and he was all clean shaven. He was wearing this grey suit. He he had this air of a, a kind of junior conservative politician from somewhere like Slough, an industrial <laughs> town or something. And he was really taking a mickey out of himself. And he's completely different now with his look. And it's much cooler. He's got the beard, the baseball cap. He's got this somewhat alarming flowery shirt that he keeps wearing. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, he does look cooler. But I just I would love to know if I, I doubt he will listen to this. But what uh, what he thinks because he has definitely changed his image and whether that's had an impact on the kind of work he does i wonder if um if it was a conscious if it was an effort to put the suit on for that video in the first place if you know what i mean and so he was reverting to his his type and he felt um i stepped out of what i truly am uh to, yes. in order to you know make these videos i guess most people who turn up for a nine to five though have just got to bite the bullet and get on with it you are in a very lucky position in that 90 percent of the well more 95 percent of the stuff i do doesn't require me to to wear any clothes whatsoever you know yeah. i could quite happily sit here i might be naked now for all you know <laughs> yeah. um that's quite I a nice know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you do you you saw me just a moment ago and I can I can guarantee listeners that I am not naked. Um the 
the the fact is, you know, you you can get away with it, and it's quite nice. And some people, I believe, go into this job because of those kind of things. The fact that you can work inconvenient hours, you can put in the work when you like, and you can dress how you like. Um, yeah. And I suppose agencies might well take a you know a different approach to the 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 clothes that are worn by some some people in the company. Those people who are public facing might be required on trips out to dress up, whereas the people in, in the dark dungeon coding area of the building might be allowed to get away with anything. Um, yeah. You know, grow the hair long and don't shave and all of that, he said, having getting quite long hair now and a bit of a shaving problem. <laughs> Are you gonna, you know, go on, you, you carry on. No, I was just going to say, I never really thought about this. I've had to think about it in the past, <clears throat> excuse me, quite a lot. But, uh, you know, and the, there was a, I'm reminded now of a salesman that I knew who used to wear this fake tan, particularly on his Ooh. arms, because he was selling, I believe, some kind of investment. And I guess what he wanted to do was to impart this dream that these people who invest with through his company will be, you know, spending their time relaxing on a beach in some exotic location so he always wanted to look like he'd always just been on a holiday you know kind of fitted the dream that he was selling i guess do you know what that might yeah. work but it would never work on me <laughs> i just think that's so weird <laughs> clearly look just below the neckline you're a bit whiter aren't you sunshine <laughs> there's something a bit strange going on here yeah i don't know i think that's taking it to extremes i am as i said on the on the end of this spectrum yes. i'm very very wedded to the fact that i I don't have to answer to the man. I don't have to wear this, that, and the other thing, and and it makes me happy. Do you yeah. um do you with your videos? Do you think you would ever sort of brand any of the clothes that you wear? For example, would you have a polo T-shirt with your um, custom logo on it, or anything like that? Or would, you know, you don't want your, or would you ever want your body to become part of the the branding? Yeah, I think I probably wouldn't. I think a lot of people would say it's a good idea, isn't it? Just put the branding wherever you can but I don't know it never feels quite right because I always feel when I see any kind of slapped on branding on videos or something I think you they've made that thing to brand to me and mm. it kind of, I don't know it kind of seems a little bit artificial maybe I'm oversensitive to it but yeah, yeah. I, I think that also represents kind of one end of a spectrum. I, certainly when I watch videos I can kind of put that out of my mind I don't do it myself I, maybe I do do I? I'm just trying to think. Certainly on the WP Build stuff, there's our there's our logo and in, and sometimes our faces as well. So that's definitely out there. But it's always on the stuff. It's it's never me, if you know what I mean. It's not me meeting people in the real world and on the internet. Maybe maybe on the wider internet, that's a little bit more interesting. I have a friend who has a car on which they've put their um, all of their logos and what have you they own a business in my town uh, i won't go into it but all of their logos are surrounding their car and so their their trips to school and their trips into town is is sitting in an advert basically and yeah. i often thought actually that's that's very cost effective because it costs a few hundred quid and yeah. then then that's it you know assuming you keep your car in a good condition and you clean it <clears throat> that's probably the reason i don't do it on my car uh yeah. but then also that weird thing about driving around in an advert <laughs> would you ever do that <laughs> i don't i can't imagine me doing it for this but uh, you know my brothers both have businesses and they both drive around in their vans and cars that have the branding on it so so is know. there is there a car 
that they drive around, you know, on family trips and outings at the weekend. Mm. That's branded as well, is it? Yeah, I think so. I think, okay. yeah. 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 I'm just thinking about, you know, you nip off, to, you go on holiday or something to uh, to France. It's just, it's just weird driving around in an advert. But I'll tell you <laughs> what, you can't get, you can't get much better value for money if it keeps paying back. You know, if somebody says, oh, I saw your car and I, I've, I've phoned you up. Well, man alive, you know. It's, um, but I need to clean my car far more frequently if I were ever to think about anything like that. I've been in your car, Nathan, so I'll yes. agree. Yes, Mike, yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's the cleaner of the two. <laughs> what about what about other little things like wearing badges that you could take off or handing out business cards and all of that kind of stuff? Do you do any yeah. of that? No, but do you know what? We should move this one into it because I think this is a topic of its own because unless we're sticking our faces on it, we've probably moved off our personal image stuff. Yeah, that's uh, a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so we may be. Because I think there was it, there's a lot in this topic, actually, because I'm thinking of some ideas. <laughs> Branding. Okay. In that case, we've, we've done quite a nice lengthy talk on that, to be honest, David. So if it's all right with you, we'll probably um, knock yeah. it on the head. I had a Facebook message the other week saying somebody had learnt what knock it on the head meant. And it hadn't occurred to me that that was a bit of English, English, British <laughs> English, if you like, dialect. But knock it on the head, for those that don't know, means we're going to stop now. So, yeah, thanks, David. That was a good one. We'll carry it on in a more specific way another time. But for now, um, should we go over to the interview? Yeah. Hi there. Thanks for getting to this part of the podcast. We're on the interview part. And today we have Eric Debelak all the way from New Mexico. Hi, Eric. Hello. Eric is joining us today. Um, I think Eric reached out to me. I can't remember how we got um, got hooked up, Eric, but a few weeks ago I uh, got starting chatting with Eric and he was telling me about an, an exciting new product. We seem to be going on more and more recently about Gutenberg, so much so that it's kind of become a staple of the, the podcast. And, and here we are again, but it's always exciting to talk about Gutenberg because it's the way things are going to be. So Eric brings something quite interesting and new that I've not yet really had a great deal of experience with. Um, and that is something called WP Block dot party which i have to say is a very very cool domain <laughs> thank you <laughs> so you can go to https forward slash you know all of that wp block dot party i didn't even know that dot party was a domain but there you go and um and what you'll find there is uh, a range of blocks which you can add into gutenberg so my first question um for you eric if that's all right why do we need extra blocks in Gutenberg, this brand spanking new, you know, well thought out uh, text editor, let's call it. Why do we need more stuff? Well, it's just like, why do we use plugins for WordPress? Um, you know, there are people where the core of Gutenberg or the core of WordPress, that will be enough for them. But I think most people are going to want something more. So the default blocks are around putting in images, text, different types of text styling. But what if you want something more interactive, something more interesting? And when I, so I first started thinking about building more blocks uh, when we had WordCamp Albuquerque in January. Mm -hmm. And one of my friends said, wouldn't it be cool if somebody could build data visualization tools for Gutenberg? And I thought, well, Let's give it a try. 
And so the first one I did was a pie chart. And um, that's really, it's one of the more advanced ones that we've done, but it really was very helpful for me for seeing the power of building custom blocks and why you'd want more. And this, the pie chart, for instance, you put in your data and then you can, then you have little sliders and or toggle buttons like, do I want a 3D pie chart? Um, do I want to spin it? What type of labels do I want on it? Um, and as you're doing this, you actually see the pie chart being built in real time and all the changes, all the little slider things that you do or toggle buttons that you hit. As soon as you make that change, you see a preview of what your site is going to look like. Mm. And so um, we have so much more. Uh, there's there's so much interesting, so many interesting things we can do with building custom blocks, not only in terms of, you know, we need all these cool elements, but also uh, we can build our pages and see what they're going to look like before we ever publish them and not have to hit the preview button, but everything reacts in real time. Just for people who are unfamiliar with Gutenberg, um, as of the middle of 2018, where we are at the moment, what what does it come with? Um, apart from, as you've just mentioned, uh, like text and images, yeah. what else is there out of the box that you get with a you know a, a vanilla install? It's a a lot of the stuff that comes with um, like what we think of with Tiny MCE. So there's headings, text, images. Um, Quotes, like block quotes, pull quotes. Um, they do have one more advanced image that ha allows you to put text over it. You can still do galleries. And then it has all the embeds, the mm. like YouTube or Vimeo or all the same things that uh, right now you can do in TinyMC with a short code. Mm. So the, the I guess the big benefit from what we've got at the moment, tiny MCE to, to where we're going with Gutenberg is, is, as you said, this sort of visual feedback, the idea that, well, in your case, taking the example of a pie chart, you, uh, you, you put the pie chart in, interact with the pie chart until it's as you want it, but you see it at that point, as opposed to having to click save, click preview, go into a different tab, you know, check it, then yeah. go back in and edit and do it all over again because it wasn't quite right. Well, that's the, that's one of the, advantages, but I do think there's another huge advantage for people who uh, are used to using post meta. So if you build sites and you're putting in all these custom fields, um, how that it, it works, like it's a, it's a good experience and people do it. We do it right now. We've done it for years for client sites because tiny MC doesn't allow you to put in these little options yep. of saying, Oh, I want a you know address field here, so that gets saved as post meta. Which, um, in terms of how the WordPress database is organized, it's not efficient. It wasn't made for that. Mm. It's just that that's kind of the hacky way that we've all been doing it because yep. that's the way that's been available. And so you have performance issues with that. Um, but now we can save Gutenberg saves everything in the content. So instead of having all these custom fields that get saved to this other database table, we're able to just save everything in the content. And that's by default searchable by WordPress, which PostMed is not. Um, and it's, it also 
allows us to do uh, templating, Gutenberg does, which I think is also a really exciting thing where, you know, like before we might be using those custom fields to do templating, but now when you define a custom post type or something like that, you can define a template. And so imagine your clients going in and saying, oh, I want to add a new employee to my site. Mm. And they pull up the page and everything is there visually for them. They just have to click on it and change the text, change the image. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a very powerful. Yeah, it really is. It's um, it's kind of something that unless you've really sort of seen it and played with it, it's hard to describe because although the current system of filling in like post meta fields, um, it works and you've got a disconnect between the way it looks and the way it's presented, which in some ways can be quite nice. Um, I agree with you. It's phenomenal, and actually seeing that employee data if you like getting updated right where it should be mm-hmm. um is for, certainly for somebody who who has not really got experience with a cms then that's just exactly probably what they're expecting to see you know perhaps they're familiar with it operating yeah. with microsoft word or something where the way it looks is the way it looks um that's the end of it uh, so I agree. And for clients, I think it's probably going to be something they're going to embrace immediately. Uh, so that the general population of WordPress users, which in the end of the day is the clients, are going to mm-hmm. love it. Um, so you've got these extra blocks which uh, which you can add into Gutenberg. Let's, let's move over to that. So I'm looking at the moment at uh, wpblock.party forward slash block. And at the moment, I'm presented with, what have we got for eight, 12 different blocks. Do you want to just quickly tell us uh, the, the names of some of your key key blocks that you like the most, some of the, the more exciting ones, and tell, me, tell us a little bit about what each of them does, because we might not be familiar with these. Yeah. So I kind of already talked about the data visualization ones. Um, we also have a line chart and a bar chart, and we're working right now to build an integration with Google Sheets for those. Yeah, nice. So that, you know, because a lot of people have maybe online forms that get that update a Google Sheet or they do different things. That, then that can be the source that you update and the block just pulls uh, from that's, that. That's nice. I like that, yeah. Yeah, so it's not out yet, but we're working on it. Yeah. Uh, we have a pricing table. We have a carousel that... You know, there, or you know, or a slider. There's a lot of sliders out there, but um, it's nice to kind of be able to see what it's going to look like as you build it. Um, an accordion, uh, the price of uh, the pricing table, and uh, the statistics block work in a similar way, where you can just add as many items as you want, and it it uh, responds to how many items there are. And um, and a lot of these, you know, these are really built for people that want these elements on their page and we try to build as much customization as possible. So um, you can change the colors, you can change, uh, you can add a lot of extra text fields or not have them. And we just try to make it flexible. And the statistic block, for instance, you can change the color, you can flip the presentation of the statistics, you can have it count up or not. You can uh, say, you know, what kind of I forget what the term the separator is. Do you use a period for the thousands or a comma? Yep, yep. And things like that. Mm. 
Um, so when you when you've you've settled on these twelve, um, and as of now, if you were to buy uh, block block party, would you would you receive all twelve of these, or are there more yeah. going to be coming down the road um, that that are not yeah. yet described on the page? Yeah, we're planning on selling these just as a bundle, so you'd always get all of them. So all the ones that we um, do in the future would also be just bundled with this. As you, if you have updates, you would just get the new ones. And um, and if you're worried about performance, one thing that we do is we allow you to turn them on and off. So if you have blocks you don't need, you can turn them off, which will then not use all those files, won't enqueue those files for your WordPress site. So it'll be a little faster. Oh, I see. So let's say, for example, you didn't want the, I don't know, the accordion. You could change, mm -hmm. turn that off in the, the settings for the plugin yes. itself. Um, and mm -hmm. then globally, that just means it's unavailable. Yes. Um, is there a way to, no, I don't suppose there is, you can't make it that available on a page by page or post by post no. basis, just off off it goes. No, I think that's fair. And I think that's the, probably the right approach, isn't it? Switch it off. If you're never going to use data visualization, which a lot of people won't, um, turn off the line chart and the pie chart and the bar chart and save yourself a tiny little bit of the uh, the payload that you're shuffling across the internet. It's a good idea. Yeah. Um, what's the what's on the roadmap for the future? What what um, what ones are you thinking of adding? So if somebody goes to the page at the minute, mm -hmm. there's twelve. What what are we going to be adding as number thirteen and fourteen and so on? Um, well, the next one that we are looking at adding is a timeline, um, and so. I don't know if that might be hard to describe, but um, like a line, a vertical line with dates. Yep. And then on either side, there's text. Um, we want to add that one. There's some plans for uh, a steps block when you have like a multi-step process that you can walk through. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing that we're considering adding and i don't know if this is a separate product or not but um adding amp blocks accelerated mobile pages blocks all right so accelerated Mo mobile pages has, has come a long way and there's a lot of seo benefits yep. and page speed benefits and actually the amp paradigm and gutenberg can really work well together so we're thinking about is that something that we want to bundle with this as well as having these native AMP elements. Okay. So there's, in the future, you're certainly planning on doing more um, than what mm -hmm. we've got at the moment and developing it. In terms of customization, obviously at the moment, if you've just, if, if you're um, somebody that builds websites, then you, you're very familiar with how this works. But if you've you're tuned into this podcast and you're a bit of a new person to WordPress and you've never used something like a page builder, it might be quite nice to, to to pick one of these blocks that's got lots of customization options and describe exactly how that works. So, I don't know, maybe maybe the pie chart. How do you get the data in? How do you fiddle with the colors? How do you interact and make all that happen? Because you may be thinking, oh, it just sounds like more CSS and more styling and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and of course, it's not that at all, is it? No. So... Um, what happens is Gutenberg has this concept of, um, is a block selected? So you have many blocks on a page, but only one is selected at a time. And when you have that block that's selected, you can do things like show additional editing options. So, um, what you'll get then is 
you'll see the preview of the pie chart when it's not selected, but when you select it, you get to see all the options for interacting with it. And some of these are off to the right-hand side where there's advanced mm -hmm. settings for each mm -hmm. block, and some are just above. And so right now, until we build the Google Sheets integration, um, and we'll probably still leave manual data entry in, but um, you can add, add slices to the pie chart that has a name and a value, and then each each uh, slice has some options. There's a color picker, so you can choose which color you want it to be. And um, the color picker is the in, what Guten, Gutenberg has theme level. It's called the color palette. Mm -hmm. So what's really nice is when you build a theme or make a theme, you can you have a default set of colors, or you can make your own. And if you set your own, that makes it also really great for your clients to say, well, here are the five colors we use on your site. And if that was the case, then the pie chart would show those five colors. Nice. So, so it always will match branding. And then there's some additional options like um, the exploding offset of a pie chart that is per slice. Um, and then on the right-hand side, you'd have a 3D toggle. We have uh, the donut hole option which uh, makes it how big is the donut hole, mm -hmm. a height, um, where, what type, what style of labels are there, is it, is it a key, is it labeled with lines, um, pie chart rotation is another option, and then visibility threshold, which is if you have um, insignificant data, for instance, like you don't want to do a slice for anything that has less than 3%. Yep. You can just, that would turn into an other slice. And then uh, also the ability, each Gutenberg block just by default always has the ability to add a class or a, a series of classes, CSS classes, if you want to further control the styling yep. in your theme. Does, um, because I'm not a Gutenberg developer, I should say Gutenberg, I can never decide which one to say. Anyway, there we go. Um, does Gutenberg come bundled for, for a developer such as yourself. Um, so you drag the Gutenberg block into place and then the menu on the right-hand side updates itself to say, hey, we're interacting with the pie chart now or hey, we're interacting with the divider or whatever. Um, you And you mentioned the color palette, the color picker and so on. Does Gutenberg um, supply a sort of suite of things that you can drop into your plugin? Is that handled by Gutenberg or do you have to, to build that in? The reason I ask this question is because one of the things that kind of a bit of a pet pet hate, I suppose, uh, is when the ecosystem gets fragmented and mm -hmm. and WordPress starts to look completely different over here with this plugin than it does over here with this plugin. And we've all seen that. You know, you you, you go to a plugin settings and suddenly actually you're not really using WordPress anymore. You you the whole page has been taken over and it's something entirely different. Um and it feels to me, having played with Gutenberg, that everything is consistent. You know, the little icons mm -hmm. for the colors are little tiny circles, and they look very cute and neat. Is that stuff that you hook into, or do you have to write that yourself? Yeah, so there, Gutenberg comes with a ton of stuff built in. Um, and I've done, I've been speaking at WordCamps about Gutenberg development. And if you go to WordPress.tv and just search for Gutenberg, you'll find several of my talks. And... Uh, I kind of go over those in more detail, but just briefly here, there's a ton of 
stuff that's built in that's reusable. And so there's a standard way of interacting with the blocks. It uses the concept of, they're, they're called attributes, and if you're familiar with React development, it's very similar to React state. Um, so you interact with these elements in a standard, or the attributes in a standardized way. All the settings, the advanced settings on the right-hand side, those are components that are made as a part of Gutenberg core. Mm-hmm. That um, Gutenberg, um, if you're if you've done some JavaScript with WordPress, you'll know that WordPress has a WP global, and um, you know especially some people who have done work with the API, or if you just pull up a WordPress site, especially on the admin side, and you in your uh, JavaScript console type in WP, you'll see all that's available there. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of API helpers and other things. So when you install Gutenberg, all the blocks all the default blocks, all their um, like building blocks of blocks, like they have rich text elements, plain text elements, media uploads, and then all the the settings on the right-hand side. Those are all available through that global, that JavaScript global. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when you build your own blocks, all you do is you just import those and you use the ones that you need to use. And it is very standardized and if people stick to that convention you're exactly right people are gonna it doesn't matter which plugins they install it doesn't you know if they move from one wordpress site to another as long as they're using gutenberg everything's going to feel really familiar because it is it's it's the same pieces yeah i'm um i'm really hopeful on that side of things one of my one of the things that drives me a little bit bonkers is my clients inability i suppose because of the you know they're not into building a word site a wordpress website they're, they're not in any way technical or have an understanding of wordpress but that's one of the things i get all the time is well, why doesn't it look the same you know why, why mm-hmm. is this different why is this moved over here you know um and and i hope that people like you will use all of these components um you know everybody will use them so that everything does look standardized because if they're there why not make use of them? I guess there's always going to be somebody though, isn't there? Who just <laughs> just because I want it different, uh, yeah. they're going to do it just to stand out a little bit. Is there anything that you believe to be missing? Is there a, a key component that you think, boy, it's they missed a trick there. That that one should be should be in there. Mm, I don't know. No. I think. I guess I think that kind of the WordPress philosophy of having a platform that's easily extendable. Mm. What they have now is what is pretty, it feels pretty standard mm, mm. that a lot of people use. And then it's just up to us to, you know, yep. extend it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so this uh, block block party, um, you kind of launched it in April. Uh, April was a, well, it was a good idea to launch it in April because, of course, <laughs> that was uh, that was when it was all going to ship. Uh, going, I think I I don't know the date, the number exactly, but I have a very strong memory thinking about back to December and January that April was the moment, yeah. uh, and now we're you know middle of the year um, and we're still not there. What are your feelings on its imminent arrival? Do you think it's going to happen? Well, sh- should we be slightly optimistic? Is it going to happen this year? <laughs> I think it's going to happen this year, and you know we. So we started, I mentioned that we really got this idea in January during WordCamp Albuquerque. And so we've been building stuff since then. 
And what I really have noticed is the first few updates broke a ton of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the last few haven't. No. So I'm feeling like every release, although there's a ton of features being added, uh, every release is getting more stable. And I, my opinion is we could release it now. I mean, I'm very excited. And not only, you know, I, I you know, my, my company has built this product, but I'm also really excited to start using it on client sites. Yeah. And clients, um, I mean, I, I would feel much better using it on a client site mm. when it's a part of Core. Mm. I think um, I think that's the, the, the missing piece of the puzzle that we WordPress people, let's call us WordPress professionals, we, we kind of forget often, don't we, is that really this is all about the, the client at the end, um, using mm -hmm. it and interacting with it. And it's a giant leap forward. Uh, there, you know, it, it takes us to somewhere where we, where we, well, where the competition already are, you know, the, the SaaS, the SaaS products yeah. like Squarespace and what have you, they've been doing things like this for a long time and, and we need it. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. Obviously there's that, there's that slight element amongst the community, the fear of, will it break things? Am I going to have to redo all my tutorials? Will I have to phone every client up and explain how all this works? My feeling is from, from having played with it that I agree it's ready. The updates are coming in thick and fast. It, it appears like I cover it every week, you know, and there's mm -hmm. a great big list every week. 20, 30, 40 uh, little bullet points on the make.wordpress.org website, adding new things in. But but nobody's complaining about breaking things anymore, and, and that time's coming. You never know. By the time we get this podcast out, it could be a moot point. <laughs> maybe, it's, <laughs> maybe it's already out. <laughs> it's all game over. Um, just changing tack slightly. With um, Over the last couple of years, certainly in the community that I move in, there's been this... Uh, really quite dramatic move amongst the people I uh, work with towards, let's call them page builders. There's a whole bunch of them. Uh, we know the names of them. Um, do you think that Ella, that things like Gutenberg and your blocks are going to eat, eat that cake? Or do you think that there's room for both? Or would, yeah, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I I think, I I'm, my my hope is, is that, the page builders either will change to be Gutenberg based or they'll go away. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's for a lot of the reasons we've already talked about. You have uh, the idea of the standardization, right? Where everything feels familiar. Mm -hmm. You have, um, and, and I think there's also great, you know, if people are getting using Gutenberg blocks that aren't a part of a theme, but are part of a plugin, I think there's also a lot of portability, right? Where it can be really hard to change from one page builder to another. Oh yeah. So uh, it, there's, I think there's a potential at least for an easier time to have people update their sites to, you know, have a new theme but not need to go back and rebuild all their content. Mm. Um, and then I think that the experience, I think the experience of Gutenberg compared to page builders, it just is, I think once people see it, I think a lot of people are going to want to change because, you know, you don't have the kind of confusing interface of like, like we mentioned before, flipping back and forth or having, um, 
you know, these little blocks that represent your content, but you can't see what's in them. Um, it doesn't, I've, I've noticed sometimes when we've, you know, inherited a site, you know, when someone's come to us for changes for a site we didn't build, it can take me and I've been doing WordPress for a long time. It can take me a really long time to orient myself. Mm. And so, and then how, if that's for me, how do end users feel? Yeah. How do the clients feel? <laughs> totally lost. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm, um, I'm. The, the reason I think these page builders have kind of become a bit of a thing is because of the the amazing level of customization in terms of the layouts. Not necessarily. Mm-hmm. If we if we assume that the blocks that you can put into Gutenberg are going to be absolutely comparable, you know, the the customization level there is going to be equal um to to what these page builders could do with their little modules that you can drop onto the page um but i think i think one part that has been part of their success is the the way that you're able to customize the layouts to within an inch mm-hmm. of their lives you know you can drop in rows and columns and columns within columns and rows within you know you know what i mean and this can go here mm-hmm. and it, it all takes care of all the responsive bits and pieces for you um Whereas I get the impression that Gutenberg, it's not trying to do that. You know, that everything's going to be much more stripped down. So uh, from that point of view, do, do you still think that um, that there's going to be a place for them? Or would, I mean, you've already said you hope that they yeah. sort of go away. But I think some people like that ability to customize at that finite level. Yeah, I think that that, well, so there the piece of Gutenberg that is still... I think in the experimental stages, the columns mm. and having the idea of nested blocks. And they've made a lot of improvements to yep. nested blocks. Yep. Um, and I think that that's a matter of time mm. that all those layout pieces will be available. And But even now, you can, if you want to add rows, uh, you could write your you could write your own block that does some of that. Mm. But until some of the nested stuff, I think it's a little more stable. I think that's a valid point that uh, the layout is, the layout piece I think is coming and until the layout piece is fully there, you'll I think we'll just see blocks that, maybe like our pricing table block, right? Mm-hmm. We don't make columns for that. You're not adding like one piece, you just, you have a block that you can add as many of the, mm-hmm pricing tables as you want and the block itself deals with that yeah um we just before we started recording we had a chat um in which you you talked about the ability to how should, how should we approach this the ability to sort of lock things down within gutenberg so that um certain things from a client perspective especially are um are, are really easy uh, to manage and you, you talked just a moment ago about color palettes and all that kind of thing. Do you want to develop that a little bit? Because I was fascinated by that. It's really interesting. Yeah, I think I think that Gutenberg development is going to really kind of take two approaches. At least as I've been thinking about it now for six months, working on it, um, my thinking has really been focused on two approaches. And the first one is is like block party of as much customization as you can give an end user. And uh, I think that works really well for certain types of clients. But then we have other types of clients who have very strict branding guidelines. 
and they have largely non-technical people entering content into their site. They're, you know, marketing people, right, mm. that are doing all the all the content. And so uh, I think the other approach that's going to happen is uh, blocks with no customization abilities other than maybe a drop down. Um, and so we're, we're developing this internally right now. And so our approach is, for instance, we have a button element. Um, and this is not a part of Block Party right now, but mm -hmm. we have a, a button element that is no customization. The only options that you get is a drop down that's primary, secondary, and then primary, I don't remember what we're using, like border only yep. or secondary border only. Yep. And so the idea there would be is I want a button. I don't want to have my uh, these content creators thinking about, well, what does this button want to look like? We have those four options. And then the theme decides yep. what is the primary button look like? What does the secondary button look like? And so I think for companies that have really strict branding guidelines, they're going to want this type of approach where their content creators have very limited options because that will then guarantee that every page that they build will be 100% on brand. And it also, I think there's benefits in that it takes away the thinking, right? I don't mm -hmm. have to worry mm -hmm. about what this button, button looks like. I just can get in there, build my content, and uh, make a few small choices between some major styles and then hit publish and not worry about it. Yeah, the button analogy is a good one, isn't it? I mean, we've all been there where you've only handed a handed a client the website um, and you come back a few weeks later and it just it looks very different um, <laughs> yeah. from the one you gave them because somebody somewhere thought that they would give this a go. Um, yeah. yeah, I think and that's, that's going to be really interesting. Sorry, you were going to say. Yeah, and the default blocks are definitely made for the customization. Mm -hmm. So... Um, you can make horrendous looking things with the Gutenberg blocks. So <laughs> like the, the, <laughs> the default paragraph, I have some slides in some of the talks that I give about this, the default paragraph, you can make the text really big. You can do uh, a drop. I think it's called drop cap where the first character is really large, but then you can change, uh, choose any color for the background and any color for the text. So you could have, you know, oh. neon yellow text <laughs> on neon pink background and you know and somebody's gonna page. do it <laughs> somebody's gonna do it so for the branding guideline clients that per, that you know that's a problem mm. so but what's nice about gutenberg is you can deregister blocks so what we've been working on internally is for instance the button we deregistered the default button and then put in our own that has the drop downs. And I was talking with um, somebody who's, uh, he just changed jobs. I believe he's working on, I haven't talked with him in, a, in probably a month, but uh, he was he was going to be working at Bluehost with uh, the team that just works on core I mean, they have a small team that all they do is give back to WordPress core. Yeah. And, um, he and I were talking about this very issue about, is there a way to, you know, instead of deregistering these default blocks, maybe there, there should be a way where we can just pass in some kind of value that, uh, strips out the options. Yep. Instead. Yep. yep. 
And he said that, you know, that's definitely on the roadmap. And I think when that happens, that will just make it even easier for people to say, okay, I want to have this drop down where it adds a class that deals with the styling yep. and get rid of everything else. Yep. That's going to become like job number one, isn't it? When you start a new client website is deregister all the bits, register, make them look how you want it with the branding guidelines and then move on and build the pages. Yeah. I mean, if it's got those capabilities, which I'm sure whether it's going to be um, done by, uh, you know, the next month or the next two months, that will be really interesting times because all of a sudden you're presenting the client with something dead easy to use. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and, you know, I hesitate to say this, impossible to screw up in terms of styling. <laughs> you know somebody somewhere is going to figure out a way to, to ruin it. But if, you know, I can imagine the conversations going on in our group in a few months. You know, how do you how do you achieve this deregistering? What's a good idea to have as a, as a sort of vanilla install when you hand it over and so on? And it'll be it'll be interesting. We should talk about your, um, just before we finish, your the, the pricing that you've got on your um wpblock.party website. Do you want to just tell us about how much it is and and how long those licenses last for and so on? Yeah, so we, we're we still, you know, very new in this and in terms of being, building a product. And so we've just been looking at what are some other people doing that provide maybe similar features. And so we have a standard license right now that's 59 a year that gives you unlimited, you know, all our blocks and all the blocks that we'll make in the future. And then we offer a 30 day money back guarantee, automatic updates, of course, and, and support. And then, uh, the pro version is this, all the same features, but three sites. And then we have an agency and that's 99 a year. And then the agency pricing is 199 a year, which is for unlimited sites unlimited everything. and yeah. yeah. And premium support. Oh, okay. So yeah, I see that now. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's exciting times. I'm I, it, a long time ago. I thought that this would be a growth area. You know, that somebody would come along and do this, and um, and you you are certainly one of the first to it. So, wish you all the best. Um, yeah. And I hope it. I hope you. it manages. Because I mean, it's a you know every version of WordPress from five onwards. This is going to be the thing, isn't it? So you mm -hmm. maybe tapped a really nice vein. I certainly hope so for. Uh, for you and your colleagues. Thank you, uh, Eric, for coming on. I really appreciate it. Is there anything yeah, you would like to me. say before you go? You know, you've got a, a few seconds to uh, to plug or mention where you are on Twitter or anything like that. Yeah, um, I'm on Twitter at Eric Debelak. I am not very active, but I always do tweet when I give talks. And um, if you look at some of those tweets, I do, if you're interested in how do I start building these blocks, um, my WordCamp talks have been about that and we do have, um, like demo repos on our 11 online GitHub that if you're curious, if you want to get into this more, um, there's a lot of code samples there that hopefully people can learn from and, and maybe feel that it's not so scary to get started. Mm. And one thing I do think, you know, there's been a lot of talk about is how much is Gutenberg going to change um, how WordPress development works. And because when I, that's how I got into software development is through WordPress. And that was, you know, now I do many other things. We do mobile development and web applications, but WordPress was my first start. And so some people have worried, is Gutenberg going to change that? But 
I do think that with what we talked about, the standardization and giving you all these components in a standardized way to interact with attributes and things like that, Gutenberg is trying to do everything it can to not change that paradigm. Mm -hmm. And so we just need to jump into it and give it a try. That is a great way to end it. We'll jump into it and give it a try. Yeah, not long now. Thank you, Eric, for coming on and um, all the very best. Bye-bye. Thanks to you too. Bye. And today's end, in fact, is not a fact at all, actually, because of Sandy Louise liking Nathan's comment about let's knock it on the head. We decided to go back to, for a little while anyway, what we used to do. We used to throw in, didn't we, when we started this podcast, some stupid phrase that we would use. Yes, we did, we did loads of English isms. Yeah. And, uh, just explained what they all meant. I don't know why we did that. It was just a bit of fun. So that's yeah. kind of what we're going back to for this episode. Who knows? Maybe the next one as well. I'm giving you an Indianism, which I absolutely love. And I think we all should adopt this one. It's stop eating my brains, which is just What does wonderful. that mean? <laughs> well, it's when somebody's talking at you and it's just too much information. You just want them to stop talking. Ah. <laughs> I love it. It just describes it. My wife introduced it to me and I use it on her. <laughs> Did she now? <laughs> <laughs> she regrets it. <laughs> Stop eating my brains, David. Is this a daily thing she says? <laughs> no, but I use it on her a lot now, so she regrets <laughs> it. <laughs> so it literally means, it basically is a polite way. Is it even polite? Is it a polite way I don't, of saying I don't think it's off. polite. It's just funny though, isn't it? Right. It's just that, don't you get that feeling sometimes? I feel that really with clients if they if they're, just asking a lot of stuff, you know. Um, I just stop eating my brains. You know? So it's a very quick way of shutting people up, but you wouldn't necessarily write it to a client, even though your head is full of "stop eating my brains." <laughs> I love it. Great. Well, just I think we should. I think we should keep on this tack and do some more of these little phrases from all over the place because it's a bit of fun. I think maybe the the traditional ending facts that we were doing. We're, uh, we're getting a bit stale, so let's do this for a few weeks until we come and come up with something better. Brilliant. Right. Thank you for listening to the WB... WB Builds. That's not a podcast. <laughs> the WP Builds podcast. I have been Nathan Wrigley. And I've been David Wormsley. Thank you very much. Go away and share it. Go away and share it. That sounds like stop eating my brains, doesn't it? Go and share it all over the world with the WPBuilds.com podcast player, all the buttons, or go to iTunes. We're getting loads of really nice reviews, so please keep yeah. that up. That's very, very helpful indeed. And uh, yeah, nothing else to say except cheesy music will be fading in, and it's goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.